Welcome to episode 149 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilow, and I am so glad that you are here. Thank you for sharing this time with me. In this episode, I make a confession. It's not easy to make, let alone share, mistakes that we feel like we shouldn't be making at a certain stage in our professional journey. But the incident that I describe to my guest was fresh and perfect for the conversation. So it felt important to share it and to tell you about it because we learn from each other's mistakes, right? But unfortunately, hearing others' mistakes doesn't mean that we don't repeat those mistakes because we often need to make them ourselves and live through them before we truly absorb the lesson. And here in the intro, I am going to make another confession. As my guest gave his response to the story of my botched negotiation, I let something go without correcting it. Kwame offered excellent advice in the context of someone being new to negotiating. In this case, it was about negotiating a public speaking contract. As I listened, I thought, but didn't say, well, my mistake was even worse because I've negotiated a few dozen speaking contracts over the past several years. I should have known better, and I still screwed up. In that case, it's almost more about psychology than strategy. The right words, the right approach can be powerless if they're not backed up with the right mindset. My point with sharing that extra insight is to offer that even the most seasoned professionals make rookie mistakes. To me, that is both comforting and discouraging, but mostly it's comforting because it reminds me that we're all human and we're all pushing forward and learning and failing and succeeding in a constant wash, rinse, repeat cycle. We do the best we can, and as long as we keep growing, then actually we're doing pretty darn well. I also realized in chatting with Kwame that he would be an awesome guest for an upcoming virtual networking for introverts event. So we're working on making that happen in the early fall. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us for the April 27th, 2017 event with marketing expert Marianne Griebler, who will be sharing a valuable LinkedIn tip that will make your profile stand out from the masses. You can learn more about that event and register at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash virtual networking introverts. And I've shared that URL in the episode show notes as well. So let's get on to that conversation and that confession. Kwame Christian is a business lawyer and founder of the American Negotiation Institute. He is passionate about teaching entrepreneurs and business professionals the art of negotiation so that they can get better deals and advance their careers. He is regularly invited to give negotiation seminars and consults with individuals and companies to create and implement powerful negotiation strategies. He also hosts a podcast that was formerly called Negotiation for Entrepreneurs and now called Negotiate Anything, which we discuss towards the end of our conversation. 
if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you know that I had Kwame on earlier this year. I think the episode posted in um, January, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. And we had such a robust conversation that I knew that um, on the spot that I needed to have him back, and uh, he probably will be a guest again. So I hope that um, perhaps you pair up these two episodes. Um, You'll probably hear some common themes, but I think you'll hear new stories and new information. So enjoy this conversation. Hi, Kwame. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, I'm looking forward to talking with you again. You are a repeat guest, and uh, we had so much to talk about the first time that um, I knew that we were going to be chatting again. So welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be back. Well, what is making you smile today? Well, I, I, won't, I won't repeat. Like I said last time, I was talking to you, and it's true for today <laughs> as well. So I'll mix it up. Um, my baby boy, uh, Kai Christian, is making me smile today. Uh, how old is he? He is 18 months. Oh, just a baby. Yeah. yeah. Is he yeah. now? Are they walking at that stage? They are. Yeah. So he uh, he's running, jumping, <laughs> um, he's talking, as, well, you know, as, as well as he can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How yeah. exciting! Nice. Thank you for sharing that. We get this little image of this little guy just running around, and <laughs> all the energy that they have. You know, as as I mentioned, you know, we we've chatted before, and some people might have heard your answer to this question. But for those who are new to you and our conversation, um, where do you feel like you fall on that introvert extrovert spectrum, and how do you feel like that has influenced you? And maybe you know, how has it influenced you as a negotiator? Ah uh, yes, this is a great question because I'm I'm exploring that or revisiting it now uh, because I think I am I'm more on the introverted side of the spectrum. But um, if I had I, I was tested before and I was I think they called it a centrovert or an ambivert, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like right in the middle. Um, so I can I can be friendly and social when I need to, but I, <laughs> I prefer mm-hmm. seclusion. Um, and last time we spoke, I told you that. Typically on Tuesdays and Thursdays, those are my introvert days. So I clear my calendar and um, make it so that I can have Kwame time. But things have been picking up with it, with the business, which has been great. Uh, but now I have no introvert time. <laughs> so, so I need to revisit this system and, and figure out how I can make it work again. Yeah. Well, I love that you're intentionally, you know, naming it and saying, you know, this is the time I need and noticing when it's not there and recognizing it's a priority. Exactly. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, you know, I want to talk about negotiation and, and persuasion. We we touched on a number of things last time, and, and I'm going to include that episode in the show notes so that people can go and pick up that conversation. But um, there's some new things. And, and one of the, um, the first things I want to touch on is something that actually happened to me recently. And it's not something that I am happy to confess, <laughs> um, but I'm guessing it's a story that every entrepreneur has. And that is about... Um, not asking for what you're worth, not putting enough out there that anything could be taken away. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, right. so I was, you know, asked about my speaking fee for an engagement, and I made certain assumptions based on, well, you know, here's kind of what I know about this type of organization. It's local. It'll take me about this long to get there. It's based on a past presentation. So I named a, a figure and I said, "Would this work for you?" And I knew immediately that I had undersold myself because she went, oh. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I had this huge, oh, no moment. You know, she goes, oh, 
I, you know, that actually does work because I was talking to some other speakers and, and the numbers that she named that they were quoting her were three to four times what I quoted. Yeah. And, and so I thought, okay, great. You know, I'm, I'm not, um, I got the gig, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I probably could have comfortably at least doubled what I had said and still probably would have gotten an, oh, okay, great. But I would have gotten double what I asked for. So anyway, so that's, that's my little confession, my little story. Um, and so how do we avoid that? <laughs> how can we make that not happen? This is funny. This, I, I like this because this is, this is turning into a coaching call. And so this is like, yeah, great. Uh, yeah, that that's a tough situation. And first of all, too, I think that's a little bit cruel to say for her to have said like, oh, everybody else was cro- quoting a bajillion I, dollars. <laughs> right, right. Okay, good. True. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I felt a little, I mean, on the one hand, I was kind of glad to hear that because it gave me a sense of what was out in the market because I think we can lose touch with that. On the other hand, yeah, it's a little, um, it's a little twist of the knife. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But yeah, okay. So this, this is tough. And I think this, this, flows perfectly into what we were going to talk about with our first topic of anchoring. Mm -hmm. And so one rule of thumb when it comes to making an offer is that the person with the most information should make the first offer. And you'll hear a lot of people who would say, well, you always want to make the first offer or you never want to make the first offer. And um, I think it kind of creates a false dichotomy Mm -hmm. because it takes a little bit more analysis than that. So coming to this situation with you, it seems as though this is a newer part of your business. And so we're not really too familiar with what the market has to offer. And so it seems as though they have a better idea of their budget and what the market is since they've already fielded a few offers from other Mm -hmm. potential speakers. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, since there's an information asymmetry in favor of them, it would be better to play it a little bit more defensively. But now that you have some of these ranges that she gave to you in uh, in a manner that was a little bit sadistic, but we'll take the information. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now you have more information uh, for the next time you get a speaking gig and you can uh, utilize that to make the first offer yourself. Yeah. And it, it, uh I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate that. I love that idea that like she has more information than I do um, in that particular instance. And so to put, so how would I, in that case, like, okay, I know that going in. And when you get that question, what's your fee? And you know that asymmetry, how can you gracefully, without seeming like you don't know, um, how can you gracefully put the burden on the other person? Yeah, and... I I don't think it's a bad situation or a bad idea to let her know that you're unfamiliar because you can do it in a way that um, shows that you're a little bit new to this very specific situation, but mm-hmm. not naive in general. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say in this case, um, you would say, well, I've spoken a lot of times in the past, but I'll concede I've never spoken to an organization of your particular size. So I don't want to say something that is way outside of your budget. So Mm. what did you have in mind? And so Mm -hmm. that's a a graceful way to dodge the question. Um, A lot of times we have this idea that just because a question was asked, we need to answer it. (laughs) Um, And so that's, that's not always the case. And so that way you can dodge it in a way that that is not offensive. Yeah. And I appreciate that you're saying like, I don't want to over, you know, I don't want to go outside of your range. So it's kind of assuming that you're, you're, you are going to be on the high side. 
it's something about that feels better, you know, than, exactly. Because because my because I think we go into those kinds of situations, at least I do, I almost have more fear that I'm going to lowball it instead of going too high. But I suppose the tendency to lowball is a reflection of a fear of going too high. Right. Yeah. And and one thing too, I would not be afraid of going too high um, because there are some schools of thought when it comes to negotiation that if you haven't gotten a no, you haven't pushed hard enough. Mm. And so then you could get that no and then readjust. Mm-hmm. And so this this speaks to the idea of anchoring. And so with, a, with anchoring, it's a negotiation um, tool that you can use um, to to get a more favorable outcome. So think, close your eyes. Well, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Just <laughs> think about a think about um, an actual anchor for a boat. If the boat puts down this anchor, there's only a certain amount of movement that it can have. Um, there's only a certain amount of leeway between where the anchor is and where the boat can be. And so think about the anchor in the exact same way when it comes to negotiation. So for you, I'm just going to make up numbers here. Um, so for you, if you were to come out and say, well, in your mind, say, well, I usually charge 5000 but this is an organization roughly twice the size. Um, let me start with 10000 for my speaking fee. And then what they had in mind was a budget of maybe like six to 8000 mm-hmm. They They usually have a range. And so your anchor pulls them closer to the 8000 mm, Right, right. Okay, yeah. that makes total sense. Thank you for that very clear example. Um, and, and you said something buried in the middle of there about saying no, <laughs> or, you yeah, know, it's, yes. and it's, it's interesting because, um, that's very parallel to, and I don't know if this is applicable or not, but it's what pops into my head in coach training, you know, we're taught like, um, ask the question that will get you fired. Mm. And so like pushing the boundary a little bit to where, like, I think you said, you know, if you're not getting a no, you're not pushing hard enough. Is that what you, am I remembering that right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and this isn't something that I always do. Um, but I think it's just a good thing to keep in mind to let you know that um, it's important for you to be aggressive, but to have higher aspirations for yourself, mm-hmm. because that's going to be your mental reference point for the entire negotiation. So you going in um, with the idea, yeah, I usually charge 5000 That's you're essentially anchoring yourself low mm-hmm. using going back to those same numbers. And so you want to always go try to get the highest price that you could reasonably justify. Yeah, yeah. So let's say that I'm having that conversation and I say, okay, my, my rate is, you know, 5000 mm-hmm. And they say, oh, our budget is 2000 Yeah. And you cannot, you know, I, as the the person negotiating, I cannot do it for that amount. Right. You know, so I feel like I need to say no. Mm-hmm. How do I do that in a way that doesn't um, jeopardize the relationship, that doesn't burn a bridge? You know, assuming I'm tactful and polite about it, of course, but, you know, I don't want to close the door completely. Right. And I think it's good to, at this point, analyze why saying no is so difficult. Um, mm. our, our, the reason why saying no is so difficult is because we're afraid of something, which is fine. We, if you're not afraid of something, you probably have a mental disorder. So, <laughs> so, so fear, fear is a good thing. And so um, what are we afraid of? Like you said, we're afraid of damaging the relationship or being offensive. And so we need to recognize in these negotiations that negotiation isn't the art of deal making, it's the art of deal discovery. And when we go in there with the idea that it's deal making, it puts undue pressure on us 
to try and create a deal when one might not exist. And so that's going to be one mental barrier that you should try and overcome before the negotiation so you don't feel pressure to make it happen. So now let's say we've gone through this art of deal discovery and we've discovered that there is no deal, like their budget <laughs> really is 2000 um, One thing I would say before I accept that as a reality is mm -hmm. I would just ask what kind of flexibility do you have in the budget? That's always my go-to when it comes to negotiation because it's, um, it's an open-ended question and it assumes that there is flexibility because maybe they have $2,000 allocated for the speaker, mm -hmm. but they have uh, uh, maybe $3,000 allocated to something else, $2,000 allocated to something else. Maybe they can borrow from different parts of the budget if they get that authority. Mm -hmm. So I would still push a little bit. But okay, so to the point. Now, let's say <laughs> after all of that investigation, there still is a no. What I would use is the no sandwich technique. And so it is a no in the middle. And then we have it's surrounded by a yes and no at the top and the bottom. So what you say first is a yes to the reason that you're the reason that you're saying no, because whenever you're saying no to something, it means that you're saying yes to something else. Mm -hmm. So you can say, I, I appreciate this offer, uh, but my goal in this is to make sure that my time is best spent doing oh how do i say this see this is this is why we think about this beforehand <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> it, it, it's tough to say so what so the question is what is the yes that we're saying yes to mm -hmm. um unfortunately i already i have other obligations and for that price it's a little bit below um what i can accept at this time mm -hmm. something to that mm -hmm. more eloquent but but you get the point yeah. and then it is um followed up by a succinct no so because of that i'm going to have to turn this opportunity down and then the second yes comes at the end and you say however keep me in mind for future uh, opportunities and please let me know how i can support the organization even if i'm not supporting it in the role of speaker yeah so it's a, a yes to what you're what you want to do instead a no to the substantive request and then a yes to the continuation of the relationship nice nice and I love that reframe about um, it's not a deal-making but deal-discovery. That's I, it, To me, that feels like a very powerful way to shift it that enables that kind of um, no sandwich <laughs> to mm -hmm. be done in a very uh, organic way um, right. that doesn't feel, you know, forced or um, contrived. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and what I'm realizing, too, is that rejection and the the deal that doesn't happen is one of the biggest fears that people have. And and it doesn't even need to be one of these clearly negotiation situations that like we're discussing now, just in general, when we have to turn people down, it's, it's really hard to do. And um, it's funny, one of my most popular episodes doesn't have to do with any specific negotiation tactics. It's the one that's titled, forget yes, how do I say no? Yeah. And yeah. Um, it just kind of runs through how to say no in a tactful way. And um, but yeah, it's something that we need to do every time we prep for a negotiation. We need to also prepare for how we say no if necessary. Yeah, and it seems like in, and in order to know when it's appropriate to say no, we personally have to have done some work ahead of time to know what is our line in the sand, what is our um, resentment 
price <laughs> um, or point if it doesn't have anything to do with because we're assuming it has something to do with money, but it's not always about money. It could be about time um, or volunteering or expertise of you know some other nature. It could be just even writing a blog post for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it seems like every day uh, we are put in a position to have to make that yes or no choice. And the clearer we are on what our own priorities are, it seems like it would make that saying no and what we're saying yes to that much um, easier. So we have to do some work ahead of time, I think. Absolutely. And and really, that is one of the most important things that I want people to take away from this conversation is the fact that we don't go in to these conversations and freestyle and hope for the best, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we need to think this through because I mean, I, I do this as a profession. I teach people how to be more persuasive. I have a podcast, a whole episode on how to say no. And then when I, you ask me to off the jump to just try and come up with a, a, a tactful way to say no in this specific situation. <laughs> it was, it's hard. It was still hard for me. So, um, yeah. so yeah, you want to try and think these things through because especially during these conversations, when we are stressed out, we, it, mm-hmm. our body releases cortisol which affects our ability to think deeply in these situations. And so right now, when we're at a a time when we need to be at our sharpest points mentally, we are poisoned by a stress hormone that (laughs) makes us dumber. So So you want to make sure that you already have these really important parts thought out beforehand. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, after that phone call where I, you know, completely bottomed out my price, I felt stupid. You know, I just felt like an idiot, Um, you know, and I tried not to beat up on myself. And and it turns out, you know, I got another gig, of course, at the same price for that organization, you know, sort of piggybacked. So, you know, I I can look at it sort of different ways and and make it okay in my mind. So so I don't want to make it sound like I'm beating up on myself. But at the same time, um, that's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. But it's a lesson that you'll you'll never forget, and no. and that's the thing. Um, you know, when, when it comes to this stuff, I'm not perfect either. I've, I've messed up my fair share of deals as well. But mm-hmm. those are lessons that I I use to make myself better uh, for the next one, and also I use it as teaching opportunities for the podcast too, which is what you're doing here now too. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, let's let's shift gears to the last thing that I know that um, and and I should say you know everything we're talking about here especially the need to prepare for these conversations is very much I think uh, from our from looking at things through an introvert lens is something that I think is very important for introverts uh, was comprised of entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. at the time the name of the show was negotiation for entrepreneurs Um, and I saw that as a little bit problematic because I I realized when it it started to make sense when I looked at the episodes the episodes that were most popular were the episodes that were general in nature or specifically catering toward the people who are actually in careers Mm -hmm. and so I was like oh okay well that's very telling so I created a survey and asked people what they'd like to change the name to and the new name of the podcast is negotiate any Thing. Nice. So, so it's going to it's going to be a little bit of everything. So I'll I'll have episodes set for the uh, for people who are entrepreneurs still, but also I'll I'll be a little bit more diverse and uh, catered toward the people who are actually in pro- career professionals as well. That's awesome. And if I remember right, one of the things you were going to do is sort of uh, like on the spot 
role playing and yes. those kinds of examples. Yeah, and and this was fun because I always tell the audience to reach out to me on on LinkedIn, and it and I say eventually. Eventually, I will get to you and send you a personal message. And I always ask, "What do you want to hear on the show?" And so, something that I was hearing often was, "Kwame, it's great that you're giving us these skills like anchoring and framing and all those things, but what happens if it doesn't work?"、Uh-huh. And so, what do we do when when we have to go to Plan B and C and D? So now, when I have people come on the show,、um, I want to keep it narrowly focused on a specific skill, and then we do a role play afterwards, so they can see how the skill works in a when it when it does work, and then、mm-hmm. um, I'll be. Tommy, tough guy, and show them <laughs> and, and, and push the guest, and so they can see how things go when when it doesn't work, when the other person isn't playing along, and so that'll give the、uh, the audience an opportunity to see this in action, so it makes it a little bit more practical for them. Yeah, that is fantastic. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. And, and and way to listen to your audience too. Yeah, I, I can't take all the credit. This is <laughs> this is their stuff. So、yeah. um, I'm, I'm just doing giving the people what they want. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's 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 one reason I wanted you to share this story because it's、um, a great example of adapting.、Um, you know, you had a particular vision when you set out, and then you. Looked at the data, looked at what was happening, listened to people, and、um, and you're you know、uh, shifting shifting according to to what they want, and and that's only going to make it、um, that much more valuable to people. So that's、right. awesome. It's a, it's almost like they negotiated with.、Me. They did. They negotiated. <laughs> they said, "Well, what about this?" And you said, "Well, what about that?" And <laughs> yep, I love it. It's, yeah, it's a big big case study in negotiation on a. a Crowdsourced negotiations, sort of. Exactly. <laughs> well,、um, definitely, we'll have a link to negotiate anything in the episode show notes. And again, congratulations on that that new direction. That's exciting.、Um, and and thank you for for everything that you've shared here. And I know people are going to get a lot out of、um, both this conversation as well as anything they follow up on in in listening to to your podcast. Thank you. So,、um, so I want to finish with our, my introvert island. Invitation, and、uh, I've made, waved a magic wand, and you have three weeks of all expenses paid on Introvert Island, and you can only take three books with you. Though, what would you take with you, and why? <laughs> oh, this is so much fun. Okay, so <laughs> the book that I let's let's start with Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg.、Mm-hmm. I just read that book last week.、Uh, it was really great. And I know, as as a male standing in、uh, privilege, it's always good for me to remember the gender dynamics that are at play、mm-hmm. when it comes to、um, women inter- interacting within the workplace. And so that informs、yeah. the the content that I can create because I want to make this、um, accessible and helpful for everybody. So that is one that I would I would、uh, bring to the island.、Um, another one is a a book that I have not read. Um, and that's why I want to bring it. It's called Hillbilly Elegy. Have you、uh-huh. ever heard of that? I don't think so. No. Yeah. So it's it's a book that talks about the、uh, the plight of Appalachia、um, mm-hmm. in、uh, society, and、um, it and especially in light of the the recent election, I think it's、um, especially pertinent.、Yeah. And so、um, I know I have blind spots when it comes to different societal issues. So I want to make sure that I have a. A robust understanding of society in general,、mm-hmm. uh, so I think that would be a good way to、uh, shore up some of those gaps. And then,、um, lastly,、um, I'm finishing up a book right now called、um, "The Fifty Great 
books in philosophy. Mm -hmm. And so philosophy for me has been kind of dense. And my background's in psychology, so I like to to have studies and something with a little bit more scientific rigor. Mm -hmm. But um, psychology, what I'm finding is philosophy is the art of asking great questions mm -hmm. and trying to find those answers to those questions. And mm -hmm. essentially, that's what negotiation is. And so I found that the deeper I get into philosophy and some of these uh these great authors in the past who have written in, in the area, the better my questions become when I'm trying to negotiate. Nice. Thank you for those um, wonderful suggestions. And, and you're making me think like there's, there's, you could, uh, the topic of negotiation and persuasion is probably somewhat inexhaustible. Exactly. Because, you know, you just mentioned gender. And then as you were talking about um, the hillbilly elegy, um, you know, you think of all of the, like you and I are talking about, you know, how to say no or how to anchor and whatnot. And we're kind of talking at it from a, a presumption of certain variables that often are presuming certain things about gender or class or race or, you know, all of those kinds of things. Because um, that's what we're, you know, anchored in. But if you really start teasing it apart, there are so many things that go into how we answer these questions about how to do this, mm -hmm. such as gender, race, socioeconomic status, um, nationality, you know, even society at large and how, how people are feeling about themselves and their place in the world. Um, it seems like there's just a, a bottomless <laughs> well <laughs> of, of variation that, you know, you can't always take it all into account, but there are probably certain situations where, you know, it's kind of an undeniable part of it. Like you and I can have this conversation and um, it might be very different between two men or two women, for instance. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that, you know, that that's something that you're noticing in terms of um, is that I, I guess, you know, is that coming up more because it seems like people are more aware of where they are and, you know, to use the, the, the white privilege, um, you know, framework um, as being part of what has spurred on this, this conversation. Do you feel like people are more aware of that now and bringing that to their questions about how to negotiate? Mm. I would say no, actually, un unfortunately. Huh, interesting. I think we have a, a surface level understanding. I think more people do. But when it comes to yeah. practical application of it, it's tough because think about it. In our conversation, the um, the the example of saying no or that uh, you negotiating with the about the speaking fees, it's a lot to keep in, in your head at at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so the I recognize for me, the deeper I. Uh, I get into learning this, the more automatic it becomes. Then it becomes a little bit deeper ingrained into my um, into my psyche, and it can come out automatically. Mm -hmm. But when I only have a surface level understanding, um, it's almost like it's to use almost like a, a metaphysical type of description. It's it's in my head, but not my heart. Yeah, and and so in my negotiation seminars, when people would talk about gender dynamics, I can answer academically, but I can't really speak any deeper than that. And so that's why I'm trying to mm -hmm. um, learn more about it, read more about it, uh, personal situations, uh, people's anecdotal um, situations, and um, more research. So then it becomes deeper inside of me, so I could actually act on it in an actual negotiation. Um, so I, honestly. 
I think nowadays we're at a stage where information is so readily available that it stifles our curiosity. And mm -hmm. so we think, oh, I have a general understanding of white privilege and the gender dy dynamics in negotiation. That's good enough because I Googled it, skimmed an article, <laughs> and, and, and I, <laughs> I am now intellectually satisfied and my curiosity has ended. And so I think sometimes we have, because we have such a, a depth of information at our fingertips, it prevents us from really going deep into one specific topic and instead we go wide and yeah. and it doesn't really give us the opportunity to use this in a practical way. Yeah. Well, that's why I appreciate what you said that you were reading, because it, it seems like it acknowledges that there's um, there is something to explore there and that that a surface knowledge is not that's great and it's better than nothing. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and um, it, there's a call for, uh, you know, a deeper breadth and depth of understanding right. of, of how that comes into play. And, and just one last point on this, too. There is there's something that's especially dangerous by just going uh, wading into the shallow waters of these issues, because mm -hmm. studies have demonstrated once somebody just kind of gets a general understanding of these societal issues and different injustices, but doesn't go deeper. And that person thinks that they are generally a fair person, mm -hmm. um, they experience something that's called moral licensing. So let's give a really easy example. So let's say we're on a diet and we go to the gym and then we eat ice cream mm -hmm. because I went to the gym. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am a fit person. And so what they've done, what they've found is that people who are have a general understanding of these issues and then believe that they are fair will act more unjustly subsequently because of the same phenomenon of moral licensing. So that's why it's important for us to really get deep into this and and, and ingratiate, well not ingratiate, it, it, I would say dig deeply into it so we have a deep understanding, not just academically, but actually empathetically. Yes, yes. And I was, I got a few chills as you were talking about that. I think not just because you mentioned ice cream, but because it's, um, yeah, not just intellectually, but em empathetically. I mean, you said it right there, um, how important that is. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for going down that path with me for a moment. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, it's it's a, a fascinating topic. Um, and um, so how can people get in touch with you and learn more? Um, the best way uh, is LinkedIn. I'm, like I say, I eventually <laughs> will uh, will get to the messages. It's a lot to get through, but I am going to hold for, firm on that. Um, and, and tell me what you want to hear, because I, I want to be led by the audience, because I know I'm a big-time nerd when it comes to this, and so I, I want to make sure that I'm keeping mm -hmm. everything pr super practical. And then also, I have a, a freebie for your audience, too. Cool. Um, if you go to American negotiationinstitute.com slash introvert introvert singular not plural mm -hmm. um, then you can get a free introverts guide to negotiation and the first 10 people who who get this free guide I'll give them a free coaching call and so we could chat about um, persuasion and how you could be more persuasive and, and be more confident in your communication awesome what a generous offer thank you so much for that 
Um, and definitely that will, again, make it into that episode show notes. And I hope that um, please, listeners, take advantage of that, because as you can tell, Kwame is um, a fount of knowledge and, and geekiness <laughs> and wisdom. So <laughs> um, you will not be disappointed, I'm sure. So thank you so much again for um, a really robust and stimulating conversation. I, I so appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone listening does, too. So thank you. It's my pleasure. This was a blast. I hope you'll take Kwame up on his generous coaching offer to those of you who reach out to him sooner rather than later. And of course, if you found his expertise helpful, I highly recommend that you listen to his podcast, Negotiate Anything. A link to that is in the episode show notes. Thanks again for joining me for this episode today. If you have any questions or comments, I invite you to post them as comments on this post at theintrovertentrepreneur.com, share them on Facebook or Twitter, or email me directly at beth at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. I also welcome your reviews on iTunes. And if you haven't already picked up a copy of my book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, it is readily available on amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and wherever fine books are sold. And did you know, I also offer coaching. One of my favorite offerings is my insight strategy sessions, which are focused, short-term partnerships designed to quickly dig into your challenges and your opportunities. We get in there, we clear the path, and we get you on your way with purpose and direction. If that sounds interesting to you, I invite you to schedule some time with me to chat about your needs and see if we're a good fit. It's about a 30-minute phone call. It is free, no obligation. And if I'm not a good fit for your needs, if I can refer you to another resource or another colleague, I'm happy to do that. And as with other resources mentioned in this podcast, the link to schedule that conversation is in the episode show notes. Many thanks to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, and to my assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes. I appreciate your significant contributions to making this podcast happen. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for joining me. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. <laughs>